Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. We stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Baker takes the snap. Rolls right. Throws down the middle. And Joku's got it. 520, 50, 10, 5, touchdown. Nick Chubb. Odell Beckham Jr. 89-yard touchdown. Miles Garrett did it, Doug. Around the horn he came. Rang the bell and said, Fires, it's caught, Lambry, touchdown! Here's Mayfield, back to pass, he throws, right corner of the end zone, touchdown! They got it, it's Landry again! Dog Pound Nation. Um, well, I, I know we've been spoiled the last uh, numerous weeks in this season, but we get to discuss another Browns win over the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm excited to say the Browns uh, let's are 7-3. Just, and three. Let's discuss this point here real quick, Mike. The last time the Browns did this well or better was yet again in 94 when Belichick was our head coach. Uh, Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> Let's also discuss the fact that we now have more wins than we did last season and week, uh, what is this, 11? We do. And this week, we'll mark if the Browns win this week, they cannot we'll be go at, lower than 500. We'll be 500 for the season at worst. Finally over that hump, it looks like. Well, I'm not going to say that the Browns are – going to be an elite team right now that's obvious that we're not they're, they're trying to get there they're still no, trying to get no it's going to be another season or two i think before we get there mm-hmm. but i i will concede that much what i won't concede on is that the browns are learning to be a good football team and that's because if you look at our our uh schedule this year compared to last year we have yeah. an easier schedule a this year which is nice but b what any bad team needs to do to start becoming a good team is you need to beat these bad teams. Then you can say we're winning. Then you can say that we're winning games that we're supposed to be winning. The Browns are finally getting on that page, which is nice to see. It it is a change of pace. The Browns are actually able to win these bad games because in the past, the Browns would go into these games expected to win and they just flat out wouldn't. And they're coming into these games, they're playing these tough, these, these, these weak teams, and they're showing them that they are the dominant team. Exactly. And it's refreshing. And, and, and a lot of people that will disregard the Browns saying, oh, they're seven and three, but look who they've played. Okay, but here, we can make the comparison here. We can say to make the same argument, argument about the Steelers, right? So the difference between the Browns and the Steelers is, is that this, the Browns have a history of not being able to win these games. So the, the Browns, Browns are showing Browns steps The Browns have forward. a history of also being ahead in some of these games against teams that we're supposed to be beating mm-hmm. and end up not being able to close it out. Exactly. That, that's been that's our difference. key issue. But it seems the Browns, and especially the front office and the coaching this year, have mm-hmm. been on point in – especially with Barry and Stefanski getting added on, they have done wonders in turning this team around and installing an actual winning mindset into this team. 
long overdue, something that this team has not had in since they've been back in 99. And, and it's refreshing, and it's, it's the right direction. And I think we can finally maybe say <coughs> the Browns have the right coaching staff in place for the future. I will also say I think that we are looking at, a, like, Mayfield turning into the franchise quarterback we need him to be. As much as people mm-hmm. complain and bitch about him, here's the thing about this, though. Three games in a row now after this week that he hasn't thrown an interception, he's mm-hmm. throwing a lot less interceptions than he had, was the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. He is making plays that we need to. His footwork, Stefanski has been working on, along with the offensive coaches, on getting him to move properly. And a lot of the things that people need to realize is that Yet again, he's working with a whole new coaching staff this year, too. It's going to obviously take time to adjust and all that, but for once it looks like he's moving in the right direction. The key here is that good, great quarterbacks become game managers. They know how to manage the game at the end and be able to win it, and Baker has been able to do that. I mean, yes, Chubb and Hunt have helped with that, but Baker's not making those big mistakes that he's been making in the past at the end of games in order for the Browns to lose. They are winning these games. He is finishing. And do you know why it is that they're turning to Chubb and Hunt? It's because we have the best dynamic duo of running backs in the league. It's nice to hear the national media finally recognize that. And I think I read something earlier today, uh, this like earlier this morning, actually, um, the with Chubb and Hunt both on pace to break a uh, thousand yards rushing this season. Mm-hmm. If they do it, they'll be only the sixth running back duo in NFL history to do it. Wow. Uh, the first thing I it was eighty five was the last time the Browns I think did it, mm-hmm. and also the eighth. The eighth, um, what is it? Uh, the eighth teammates overall that'll do it, where they had two players rushing for over a thousand yards. The last was Lamar Jackson. I forget who else last season. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else that could have been last year. It wasn't Mahomes, was it? No, it, talking about uh, the on the same team. Oh, okay, okay. It was uh, Lamar Jackson, yeah. whoever the running back was last season. Yeah, I don't know who the running back for them last year was. Yeah, that's interesting, though. Um, no, the, I, biggest I, I, thing I, that, the biggest thing that's interesting, though, also is two different teams are on pace to do that this year. The Browns being the first, being the running back combination that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Teammates, though, is surprisingly Arizona Kyler oh, Murray yeah. and their running back are both on pace to break a thousand yards this season as well wow well the Browns will probably be the first ones to do it but the fact that we got two teams this year that are doing that that's that's quite the feat <clears throat> and for the Browns are on pace to get some good yards on the ground this week with Chubb and Hunt because of who is it? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Their run defense is poor, horrible. Giving up what was I think I saw 132 yards rushing per game so far, average. Damn. And they ha- they're I think leading the NFL in explosive running plays allowed. I like our chances or, there. Ten or more yards. Well, that's encouraging considering the Browns have a lot of. Um, are going to have to go into their deep into their bench for defense this week because of numerous guys on the COVID list and, and such. And uh, yeah, being what, out. They're not going to go too deep, thankfully. I mean, it's – we'll be missing Garrett again this week, but he should be back next week. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Taki Taki. and uh, Who was it that replaced Garrett this week? Oh, you mean just – as far as playmaker or at that position? In that position. Mm. Because I know that I don't he know. was also placed on the uh, COVID list. Was it B.J. Goodson or Malcolm Smith? 
I want to say it was Malcolm Smith. Okay, yeah, because he had four he had four solo tackles in Sunday's game. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I mean, but it, it, the one guy that stood that that stood out in Sunday's game that really shocked me was Olivier Vernon. We finally saw the guy that we traded for. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I I think that that's encouraging because even if our defense is not you know up to its one hundred percent strength, at least we can be assured that the running game will probably take this game over for us, and the offense will probably put up a lot of points. Which is good to see. I mean, and yeah. we'll go going into this week here against the Eagles. Um, our defense stepped up huge this game, and they did showed why the Eagles have a lot of turnovers this season. Carson Wentz has been in a god-awful mess this year. He is not the same Carson Wentz we saw in 2017, that's for sure. No. I, he got pick six by Taki uh, Taki. On a nice and Denzel Ward blitz. He was blitz. also sacked for safety in the end zone later in the, uh, in the third quarter. Can you believe this is the second time this season the Browns have forced a safety? I'm not surprised. I mean, our usually you don't see safeties that often. Our defense is a good, big shining point this season, so. It is. Defense, I've been really pleasantly surprised about this year because I didn't expect much coming into this year of the defense, other than Miles Garrett, of course. Yeah. And they've really surprised for the most for the most part. Well, exactly. But anyway, Ooh. let's get down into the stat line, shall we? You want to break down the player stats or the team stats first? Uh, let's sort of go down to team stats. Okay. So, total yardage, this was a close game. I mean, the Browns barely edged out. Uh, they had 324 total yards compared to 315 for the Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. All right, which was to be expected. Yeah. Was I, gonna be a, that was going to be a toss-up game for that. Yeah, I kind of expected this. Um, I, I think the only thing that surprised me was the Eagles' uh, rushing attack wasn't too bad to start the game, but it definitely cooled off in the second half. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing that really set us off rushing-wise, too, was that big 54-yard game by Chubb near the end of the game. Yeah, Chubb was off to a kind of a slow start this game like he was last week against Houston. But and then again, he at the end breaks of the game, off another huge run that puts him yep. on pace to break 1,000 again. And it was at the time of the game when we needed a big play to put the game away. And yet again, two weeks in a row. He came through. It just shows what kind of a playmaker Chubb is. He's a guy you can put the ball in his hands and you can rely on him to finish a game. Exactly. It's been Brown's rushing attack, uh, 137 yards on the ground compared to 106 for the Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, passing yards, obviously, Philly had put up more than us, 209 to 187. Uh, yards per play. Browns just barely had a little bit more than the Eagles. We had five average of, of five yards compared to four point eight. Mm -hmm. uh, another one of the things to look at here: we had time of possession on the ball. Yeah, not by not by a whole lot, but I think a lot but of that came at the end of the it, game. Yeah, we still had it for a longer amount of time, which was a good thing to see because you need that possession in order to win games. <clears throat> and total yards total, total yards was actually a lot closer than I would have thought it was. I know. Uh, looking at this here, I the Eagles having two interceptions compared to none for the Browns. Uh, both teams lost a fumble. Uh, the Eagles had five penalties for 33 yards. The Browns only had three penalties, but they gave up uh, 20 more yards in uh, – penalties compared to Philadelphia this week. Yeah, the Browns, um, their penalties, they've kept their penalty count low. They've, they've been averaging about three to five a game in the last maybe three or four games. That's so still they more are, than you want to see. It is, but they are improving on it, and you can definitely tell the team is more disciplined than in the past. Yeah. Uh, Philly got sacked five times compared to Browns getting sacked three. Not bad. 
really, other than that, there's not a whole lot else we really can discuss about just team stat-wise. No. The one thing that I really want to discuss here, and I'm looking at Baker Mayfield's stats, and he has not thrown an interception since the Cincinnati game uh, four games ago, five weeks ago, or four weeks ago. And yeah, he's only this thrown... is his third game that he has. This is his third game in a row that he hasn't thrown an interception. Very impressive. Yes, he did have a turnover in this game with the fumble, but you know we we won't um, we won't get too much I'm not into that hold one. Hold that against him. No, the pressure collapsed around him. But the fact of the matter is that he has cleaned up the interception count is very very impressive. I know some people are 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 I mean, getting on him nice about. To see, would it be nice to see him throw? some touchdowns yes obviously but Mm -hmm. when you're not having the playmakers step up on the receiving game that you need them to or they're not open guess what you do you turn to your dynamic duo in chubb and hunt to get the ball down the field right and 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 baker's being criticized that oh he's only averaging 20 20 uh attempts a game and he's only averaging around 160 170 yards a game okay I understand that, but at the end of the day, it's about winning games, and he's not turning over the ball. So exactly. should that he's even matter? He's not turning over the ball. Why we're not worrying about him throwing it so much is because we're getting ahead in these games, and we can rely more on running, which you can do to run the clock out. Exactly, and, and that's what it is. People are not used to a Browns quarterback only having to throw the ball 20 times a game. They should be happy about that. I mean, and why people? And here's the thing, too. Why people are bitching so much about the Browns not playing like they should be? Look at their record. They're seven and three. People are still bitching. It's because of the fact that we're the Browns fans are so used to disappointment, but at this point in the season, that they're finding any reason to bitch. It feels like. And people, come on, yep. take what you can here. The Browns are have a winning record. We're four games over 500. We're one game out from our worst record being uh, 500. I mean, did anybody think six weeks ago that the Browns would be in a position where they could be eight and three coming into two of their toughest games of probably of the year against Tennessee and the Ravens, two of their biggest games of the year? No one would have no, thought that six weeks all. ago. Mm-mm. Not in the slightest. And now and we're I still believe, at- by the way. I still believe, by the way, that next week's Tennessee game, the NFL is going to flex that into a night game. They got to. They got to. Those two of two of the hottest teams were going I don't for playoff know spots. I don't know if they're going to flex that into a night game. I don't know that for sure. It all depends on where we're standing with the COVID situation come next week. Well, let's hypothetically we'll get say more, we'll fine. get we'll get more into that. Uh, as we go on here in the podcast. Oh, just to finish off Baker's stats. I want to finish off this Baker conversation real quick. Yeah. So this season right now, he is 161 for 265, completing 60% of his passes. He's thrown for 1,850 yards, 15 touchdowns to seven INTs. He is projected to finish with a 60% completion percentage, 2,900 yards, and 24 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Which is huge. Yes. Uh, what did he have last season? Uh, I think they were pretty – I think he they had the same amount of touchdowns as he had interceptions. Which is horrible. You never want yeah. to see that. No. Not at all. So, r- right there alone, we have seen improvements. So anybody that says we haven't seen improvement out of Baker, it's in the stat line right there. Exactly. But anyway, let's go down individual stats here. Uh, going off for Mayfield for this week, 12 of 22 for 204 yards. No TDs, no interceptions, which the interception mark is what I'm going to be looking at the most in all this. Yep. I mean, does it suck that he only completed 12 ca- uh, completions out of the 22 that he did? It was a little bit, but. Yeah, but it was another shitty day outside yet again. So Are you, I'm not blaming the weather on this one. This was not as more, much on this one. <clears throat> this was more people weren't open. He was over like the same issues we've been discussing with Baker that he needs to work overthrows. on with overthrows, not looking really where he's throwing. It seems like a mm-hmm. little bit of footwork issues here and there, but he's getting there. It's progress and he's getting, he's getting it in progress and that's all that counts. 
Yeah. Uh, in the rushing attack, Nick Chubb, 20 carries for 114 yards, 5.7 average. Again, you average four to five yards a carry. You're, you're going to win ball games. You, you have a dynamic playmaker like Chubb where, yeah, he may have been well under average the first 19 carries of that game, but that yep. 20th carry that he broke for 54 yards, that really sealed the game for us. Yep. Yeah. Um, we, I can, I'm all right with that. Absolutely. I don't need, I don't need him to have some kind of flashy thing. At the end of the day, that 114 yards wins your ball games. That's all that matters. Exactly. Uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, he did not have the greatest of rushing games. The Eagles did kind of shut him down a little bit. 13 carries for uh, 13 carries for 11 yards. But he got us the lone uh, offensive touchdown this week for us. Yeah, that was huge. And, and that was a hell of a leap that he made, too. And did you oh, see? Oh, I know. They've been showing the slow motion. Did you see? I think it was Conklin that was defending in that area. But he was holding back three Eagle defenders so Kareem Hunt could jump. Hey, Conklin's a big dude. He's a big dude. Conklin, and he's, he's, Conklin's a strong dude. Yeah, I mean, if you're able to hold back three Eagles linemen from getting to Hunt to allow Hunt to fly through the air like he did, <laughs> I, all, you deserve a lot of credit for that. Absolutely. I thought that was just beautiful defense. And on top of it all, it's proving that, hey, in the Browns' past, when we'd go out and get a big guy and pay, we'd overpay him, usually they end up sucking and we ended up looking like a big bust. This year, all the signs the Browns have made have paid off in dividends, period. Exactly. I, Barry is proving to be a smart GM when it comes to mm-hmm. making these maneuvers. Uh, our offensive line was one of the worst things that we'd ever seen the last few seasons. All of a sudden this year, we have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Baker's getting the protection finally that he, that he deserves because – Last year, we saw how bad it could possibly get. Yeah. But, all right, so our receiving game, uh, Caterell Hodge, was a surprising name that I would not have expected to lead nope. in yards for receiving for us. Uh, three receptions for 73 yards. Pretty good game for him. I was not expecting to see him pop out of the air like he did. No, I mean, Jarvis Landry was quiet this game yet again. Landry's been very quiet since Odell has been gone. I know we've played some bad weather games, but he hasn't been making the impact. It's been these smaller guys like Higgins and Hodge and then Hooper but also. It's the fact that Higgins is stepping up big time in the absence of Beckham. This yep. is the Higgins that me and you have been discuss- talking about that we missed in Baker's, what was it, first season? Second year, Freddie Kitchens didn't use him at all. I know, but Baker's first year, though. Oh, how the chemistry that he had with Higgins in his first year, how well it was working. Yeah, and we were finally starting to see that again. And it makes me really wonder that, you know, maybe Higgins is that guy for Baker to make him look good, make him have a guy that he can rely on out there. Well, we need Higgins to step up, though, when OBJ comes back because – and if we want to have a strong receiving game, having multiple downfield threats or multiple receivers that can catch these short passes and make huge plays off them yep. is going to be massive for us. We need him to step up in that regard. It well, almost yeah, seemed because... like because it's almost seemed like to me that when OBJ signed on to the team, that Higgins just kind of took a back seat and maybe thought he can just scale it back a bit. We can't have that. No. And and it didn't help that last year that Freddie Kitchens was underutilizing him or, or not playing him at all, which to this, to this day, I don't really understand that situation. And I think that's, that's one of the other big fuck ups that, that Freddie Kitchens had made last year is that he, it's like, he didn't know how to manage the roster effectively. Uh, He didn't know how to do much of anything effectively last year. No, 
which is why he's now jobless. Exactly. But anyway, Higgins, three receptions for 65 yards. Good game. 21 yards uh, is average. Not bad. Yeah. Austin Hooper, three receptions, 33 yards, 11-yard average. Uh, but yeah, like we were talking about, Jarvis Landry's been quiet, but he's still doing yeah. stuff for us, which is nice to see. Uh, two receptions, 23 yards. Uh, Nijoku, name I haven't really even heard in the last few weeks, played this game. Didn't do a damn thing for us. Yeah, I'm looking at Nijoku's stats this year. Um, he's only been targeted 14 times, got eight receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. That's it. Uh, is he is – he, was he hurt or something recently? I don't think so. I, I think he's been healthy because he's been in the game. I've seen him in there. I, I saw Baker throw him, I think, a couple times on Sunday. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, I guess Austin Hooper is doing enough that they don't feel like they need Njoku. And, again, they drafted Harrison Bryant um, this year. He's the third-string tight end, I think, on the roster. But, I mean, he's proven that maybe we don't need Njoku at all. Uh, well, we just have to wait and see what that one, what they do in the offseason because I would have assumed that they'd do whatever they could to keep Njoku at this point. And now it seems like they, he just does not want to be here. I don't think he does. And I think maybe Stefanski's not playing him that much because he figures, well, you know, he's got guys in front of him that are playmakers, and why should we cater to the guy that wants out? Yeah. But anyway, the defensive side of the ball, our big shining point this week. Send it to five tackles, one assisted. Olivier Vernon, four tackles, one assisted, three sacks. It's like Miles Garrett was out there. Uh, <laughs> He definitely had the presence of Miles Garrett, that's for sure. Holy I, I am hell. so glad to see this. I'm so glad to see Vernon uh, I'm being glad that to see Pro that Bowl he star. stepped up finally. Which we need again on Sunday because with Miles out again, we need another big game from him or at least somebody else on that line. Yeah. But we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. B.J. Goodson, another solid game, four tackles. Yeah, not uh, bad. He's, he's, having, he's having a good year. Sheldon Richardson, three tackles, one assisted. Mac Wilson, three tackles, one assisted. Uh-huh. Denzel Ward, three tackles, no assisted, but one interception. And then Taki Taki, who is unfortunately going to be out the next couple of weeks because of the COVID uh, situation. Yep. Two tackles, one interception, and he was the pick six. It was a nice pick. Well, that 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 pick was assisted by Denzel Ward's excellent outside blitz because it, it pressured Wentz into throwing a very sloppy ball, very sloppy yeah. ball. Uh, you got guys this week that really just stepped it up for us when we needed it most, and it was huge to see. Yeah, it was nice to see the Browns do this. I think this honestly was probably the best defensive game the Browns have played as a collective team on defense because – they it just really did everything was. right. It really was. So, this upcoming week, obviously, we've got uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, this should be a game the Browns should be able to take care of business. I, I don't see them struggling in this game. I mean, anything's possible. But, I mean. I think that we're going to see – I think we're going to see breakthrough games with Chubb and Hunt this week. We I should. can see – <clears throat> I can see Chubb rushing for at least 150 yards. Um, yeah, I could see it. I could definitely see it. I um, can see Hunt possibly breaking 100 yards this game as well. He might. He might. I think you're right. I think we might see a 200-yard rushing game total for the Browns here. I could even see a big game from Baker. I think that we might see maybe see a 300-yard passing game from him this week. Well, you got to figure one thing here, Mike. We're not going to have a 300-plus yard passing in along with 200-plus yards rushing. Why not? 
I've seen the Browns go 500 total offense. It's, okay, it's all going to depend. Uh, we're going to see one or the other, I think. We're either going to see a continuation of, you know, what we've seen with Baker, like the 150 to 200 yards passing, and we're going to see the higher numbers being put up on the rushing side, or we're going to see a little bit lower numbers on the rushing side, and we're going to see Baker uh, hitting like 300 yards. We'll see. Um, I, 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 for like, some reason, I'm getting, I'm getting a feeling we're going to see what we saw in Dallas. We'll have to wait and see, but I am projecting. Obviously, the Browns are going to win this one, putting us at eight and three. Uh, I'm going to say final score for this one is going to be a blowout. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this one's going to be like thirty-five to thirteen. It's kind of where I am too. Um, I was actually going to actually I was only going to give Jacksonville maybe ten points here. Um, I'm going to say the Browns win this thirty-eight to ten. Bold prediction, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm gonna also, I'm gonna anticipate the Browns put up over 450 total yards of offense. Also, one of the things we're going to do now that we're getting closer to playoff time, people, we're gonna start taking a look at the standings and all that going into mm-hmm. uh going into this now. And one of the key things to take away from this, the Browns are now ahead of Baltimore taking second place in our division. Yeah, did you ever think that you would have seen that happen at any no. time during this year? No. Not um, after the way we played the first games against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I did not think that at all. No, and and, and for I think for the first time all year, I am actually feeling pretty good going into that Ravens matchup on Monday night in a couple weeks because I feel like we've gotten our shit together. I also think Baltimore's falling apart a little bit, especially since Lamar Jackson's looked a little sloppy the last three or four games. Well, when do we play the Brown or when do we play the Ravens? Uh, it'll be two weeks from Sunday. Well, two weeks from Monday. Two weeks from Monday. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Baltimore is even going to have um, Lamar by then because this That's is what true. we were. This is what we were going to talk about. Uh, the COVID situation, especially the breakout that's happening in Baltimore right now. Yeah, they have got. Kind of I like, think I saw like eight or nine players. I think that hit the COVID reserve list this week alone. Yeah, they said they had some kind of outbreak. They think in their weight room. So there's eight, like eight or nine players that are going to be out the next couple of weeks. You've got coaching staff that's going to be missing the next couple of weeks as well. Lamar Jackson being one of them, that's going to be huge because all they have right now is their uh, backup quarterback, which is uh, RG3, and their practice squad quarterback right now because their third-string quarterback is out right now as well. Ravens are, might have a little bit of a problem here over these next few games. If, if, if these guys stay on the COVID list, you might you could maybe see the Ravens drop three straight games. It's going to be possible, and it's going to be unusual to see the Ravens dropping that many games in a row. If the Ravens drop the next three games, their playoff hopes might be in deep trouble. You're, you're telling me. Because with the way this, uh, this is going right now, I mean – the nine, the nine seed still has a six and four record. Yeah. So well, looking at this right now, uh, going through all the conferences and divisions right now, uh, in the AFC East, we have the Bills at seven and three right now, leading the division. Mm-hmm. They're now the three seed but in the playoffs. But they are only leading by one game over the biggest surprise to me. Uh, in that division being Miami, who are yeah, where the hell have they came from this year? They're they've had some good playmakers this game with this season that have really done a lot for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, uh, I, mean I mean, who's their 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 quarterback was Fitzpatrick, right? Yeah, he got put back in on Sunday, which I guess because two um, was struggling. I know they said two is going to be remaining their starter. They just benched him for that game. Yeah. But it's still the Dolphins have just come out of nowhere and to surprise a lot of people this season. 
Mm-hmm. The another huge surprise to me too is the Patriots. It seems like they're really missing Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, but I would not honest. have expected a Belichick-led team to be under 500 this late into the season. No, and the thing of it that shocks me is that really, to be honest, a lot of the Patriots team is still intact from last year. All that's gone really is Brady. So why is this team falling apart? Brady Gronkowski. Well, well, to be fair, Julian Edelman has not been doing well this year, and that's he's true. been a major playmaker. Mm-hmm. Very quiet for him this in years year. past. I am. There's a reason why I dropped him in my fantasy league as early as I did as well. Yeah. He was just not showing any signs of having any productive games whatsoever. Um, and then yeah, we have right. the laughing stock of the NFL, the Jets. Well, no, no, I take that back. The Jets aren't the laughing stock. They're the team that's the laughing stock of the NFL. But they are far from the actual laughing stock of the NFL this season. We'll get to them in here in a minute. Uh, but yeah. The Jets have not won a game yet this season. My question to you is, do you think the Jets are going to finish 0-16? You see, let me check their schedule real quick. Yeah, I'm going to look too. They've got the They've got the Dolphins this week. They've got the Raiders next week. Uh, the Seahawks after that. The Rams after – oh, yeah, they're, going, they're not winning a game. Their yeah. best chance to win a game, I think, is going to be against – New England, and that's week 17. Yeah, I I, I don't think that that's going to, yeah. The Jets Unless they surprise well, somebody. Which is going to be unfortunate because I have a very strong feeling that this is going to be Frank Gore's last season before he retires. And you don't want to see a player that's been as prolific in his career as Frank Gore be on a team that went 0-16 to end his career. Yeah, I can kind of see why Le'Veon Bell didn't want to play for the Jets anymore. Well, it wasn't a matter about Le'Veon Bell didn't want to play for them. It was a matter of he never – him and the coaching staff never got along. I think that Adam Gase is going to be thrown out the door by the end of the season if he hasn't already. I can't believe that he hasn't even been fired yet. I mean, they're awful. I mean, what what is keeping him around? I mean – We've seen in past years guys fired for a lot less. Your guess is as good as mine at this point. I mean, look at Houston. Houston fired their coach, Bill O'Brien, I mean, early, early in the season. And actually, it's benefited them because actually, oh, God, yeah. doing a great they've, job with them. They've done absolute wonders without uh, O'Brien because what are, they've won two straight. I think they've, out of the last five games that they played since they fired O'Brien, three out of their last five, they've won three out of their – no, actually, I think they've won four out of the last – I don't think they had a game won yet when they fired O'Brien. Yeah, I think I think, I think think to be honest, I think the last game out of their last four or five games, the only game they've lost is to the Browns. Yeah, because they've won the last two straight. Romeo Cornell, they're talking about keeping him next year. They need to. They Cornell, should. It's working there. I, as much as we gave Cornell flack here in Cleveland – there is a reason why in the NFL, he is one of the most respected coaches in the NFL. It's because he's garnered that respect from his players. Yep. He's a good defensive coach, too. I mean, he was a genius. Yeah, oh, good God. The coordinator in New England. I, there is a reason why I was a fan of as much flack as I get from this from people. I was a major fan of Rex Ryan being the Jets coach. Oh. Uh, coach because he was a defensive-minded coach yep yeah Rex I, Ryan was I personally love that I have always been someone that loves coaches that are more defensive-minded than anything else it's because a defense a good defense can win you games sure they say defense at the end wins <laughs> championships I mean I, I think in some cases offenses have won championships but for the most part defenses do win you championships yeah but anyway, going on to the AFC West here, the Chiefs are far and away going to be the favorites minus the Steelers to make and win the Super Bowl. They're 9-1 and one right now. They made up for their loss, their surprise loss against the Raiders uh, a few weeks ago with, by mm-hmm. beating them this week. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think Kansas City's going to end up taking the number one seed before the season's over. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I do. I think the Steelers are going to – for some reason, I'm getting, the, I'm getting the sense the Steelers are going to lose two games here down the stretch. Oh, that's going to be an interesting one to see. Um, they've got – they've got the Ravens coming up here this week. They've got Washington – uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati, the Colts, and then the Browns to end the season. Well, the Buff- Buffalo, the Colts, and the Browns are three games that are going to be tough ones for them. And that last game against the Browns, they may sit their starters. So that could be I a honestly, loss right there. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that. I think they're going to – if they're in a spot where they need to win that game to maintain, they're not sitting their starters regardless of That's whether or not true. they do that. I, th- I think if, the, if they, I think if the if the Chiefs are going to overtake uh, Pittsburgh for the number one seed before playoff time hits, mm-hmm. it's going to be before the Browns game, and it's already going to have been a lockup at that point. Yeah, so I think, I think right. the two games that they might lose if they do are going to be Buffalo and the Colts. It could be, and if they lose those two games, the Chiefs might that's be able big, to lock down that one seed. That's a big if, though. It's a big if. I mean, again, it, it'll be nice to see the uh, the Steelers play some teams that are, you know, a little bit more up on the scale of winning teams to see how they're going to compete because all you got to do is look at the Steelers' schedule they've played so far this year. They've had a very soft schedule this year. Well, to be fair, we've had a pretty soft schedule too. That's true. But like I said before, our history is different our circumstances and our situation is different than theirs. I mean, they haven't exactly had the easiest of schedules either, though, because I mean, they've played good teams and have beaten good teams. Like, they've beaten Tennessee. They've beaten Baltimore. They've got a Buffalo team that's doing really well this year. They've got the Colts, who are who really haven't done much of losing since they lost to the Browns. And they've got well, the Browns who are starting to really come up here. Right. The, the end of their Steelers schedule is where it's, it's, where it's finally getting interesting. Um, but let, when the Steelers beat the Titans earlier in the year, they played <laughs> the Titans when the Titans were kind of in that period where they were struggling a little bit. They have since found their way a little bit more since then again. You know, they beat the Ravens. That was an impressive win. I'll give them the Ravens one. Um, but, and then the Browns won. They beat a Browns team that was banged up. Chubb was not playing. We had defensive players that were out. We weren't 100%. They weren't playing the Browns at their at their top level. I'm still not going to give up on the Steelers taking number one seed because they're, they're just way too strong right now. That might be true, but, I, but I, I, I'm definitely fully confident that come playoff time, they're gonna they're gonna lose maybe in the first round because I don't think when they get they played the elite teams I don't think they're gonna succeed. I don't think that they're gonna make it to the AFC conference game. I I'll say that much. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't either. I we'll have to wait and see on that one. If I look if I look at the playoffs ahead, if the Steelers win the number one seed, they would play either the. Uh, well. Because you got to keep in mind, only the number one seed is getting the bye week this year. Right. So if the one gets the bye, two plays se- uh, play seven, three plays six, four plays five. So who plays the Steelers in the second round? Um, usually in that case, it would be uh, the three and six. So it could be the Browns in the second round. If it does end up being the Browns in the second round, that'll be match number three between both teams. That one, I think the Browns could potentially be the upset if they do beat the Steelers at all this season. Yeah, because as of right now, the Browns would play probably the Bills in the first round if they hold the sixth seed. <laughs> yeah. Which I like our chances against the Bills. Um, we played the Bills last year when they were still really good, and we we were successful beating the Bills last year. And I think we're a better team now than we were last year. So I I feel good playing the Bills in the playoffs. But isn't it a funny thing that if the, if the Browns play the Steelers in the AFC divisional game, the Browns beat the Steelers. They're in the AFC championship game. 
uh, that's just amazing to think about. The fact that we're even talking about this and and not actually thinking of it as a joke just shows how far the Browns have come this year. It really is. I mean, you got to give the Browns a lot of credit, even if you're a Steelers fan, even if you're a fan of any other team, you have got to give the Browns credit for yep. turning the season around like they did this year compared to last season. Yeah, I mean, think of it this way. The Browns are technically only three games out of first place with six games left. That doesn't usually happen. And you got to look at it this way, Mike. The last time that the Browns didn't have a record that saw double-digit losses was when Brian Hoyer was our quarterback. Yeah, and that was the last uh, time that we that was the last time we started six and three. Yeah, and then we went six. The Browns, the Browns cannot finish with ten losses this season now. That's the good news. But if we win this week, we can't finish under 500. So that would already be a step in the right direction. Exactly. And at that point, we need one more win to secure our first winning season since 2007. Which was Romeo Cornell's year. Two more games, two more wins, and we have our first winning season in 13 seasons. Damn. This is where the pressure starts getting big on the Browns because now we're talking about having a winning season finally. Words I thought I would never or didn't know when to expect to hear. And here we are in a year that a year from hell. And the one bright spot of 2020 has been the Cleveland Browns. At least for Cleveland. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, going through, uh, divisions here so we're still in the AFC West uh Raiders at six and four the Broncos at four and six and the Chargers at three and seven uh AFC North the AFC North has been a huge division this year because you've got football really you've got three teams that are above 500 right now going into week 12 You've got the Steelers at ten and zero. You've got the Browns at seven and three, and the Ravens at six and four. It's it's just amazing to me. I, I you, know, you know what stats really blow my mind. I'm looking here. This, the Ravens have a plus seventy three differential, where the Browns are still in the negative, and it's still seven and three. Well, the biggest reason for that is the two major losses we had to the Steelers yep. and the Ravens. Yep. If we would have had a closer game with those two, the Browns would be in a plus differential right now. True. Well, not only that, too, the Browns would also be 9-1. and one. I didn't say winning those games. I said if we cl- well, made it closer. Yeah. The, the division in football, though, we've got to mention the god-awful NFC East. Well, we're getting to – we're not in the NFC yet. I know. We're still I, in the I AFC, but – the Bengals are unfortunate being 2-7-1 and one right now. I mean, someone's got to be losing. But it's the fact that they have Burrow out for the rest of the season. With the, the Bengals injury, might not win another game. With the knee injury that he has, multiple ligament tears, uh, the damage that got done to his leg, uh, it's just sad to see that he's not going to be in the rest of the season to – really see what he can do for this team. No, and they don't even know the extent of the length of his injury at the given moment of, of, of time, which is which is very upsetting. Um, and, and I don't think the rest of this year, I, I don't think I, the Bengals might not win another game. We'll have to wait and see on that one. I, if they do, it's going to be a surprise win, but yeah. It's not looking but, good. AFC South is a pretty damn close matchup right now. The Colts, the Colts and Titans are both seven and three right now. Uh, only reason the Colts have the division taken at the moment is the head-to-head matchup, I believe. Maybe Tennessee, yeah. Uh, the Texans are slowly climbing their way into the things again, being four and seven now. Yeah, they're not. They're not out of it yet. 
And then you've got the Jaguars, who are one and nine. Yikes. Going into the NFC here, let's uh, let's just rip the Band-Aid off right now. The laughing sock of the NFL is the entirety of the NFC East. Oh, man, this is I, I just can't believe this division. Washington in first place with four and seven. One of these teams is going to make the playoffs. This is a joke. In uh, in week eleven, the team that's leading the division is four and seven. We're probably going to have a team that finishes with six wins as the division champion. Sad. Sad. Six and ten division winner. That is sad. Yeah. That's uh that's that's really pathetic. I have the Browns in this division. We'll be running away with the division right now. Because we like a challenge. Sure. <laughs> I we'll go prefer with to have a challenge compared to, you know, being in the NFC East. Just one year. No. Just one year. Just just no. just one. Just one. But yeah. Washington leading the division at a staggering four and seven. The Eagles and very, very tight race here in second place, three, six, and one. The tight Giants, race. the Giants are slow are easing their way back into things at an astonishing three and seven. And the Cowboys are just playing absolutely unfortunate ball at a whopping three and eight. And yet they still have a chance to win the division. Without Dak Prescott. That's uh, – that's, I don't want to talk about it. The you less know. we talk about the NFC East, the better. You want to know the frightening thing is? If one of these four teams wins the Super Bowl. Let's, let's not go and think about that. They're getting knocked out of the – they're getting knocked out of the playoffs the first game. This would officially be the NFL year from hell <laughs> if one of those four teams manages to win the Super Bowl. It's not happening, and you know it. Let's just not even think about it. NFC, never say never. Shut up. NFC West – a uh, very tight race going into here between the three teams that are actually really still in it, being the Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals. Even the 49ers still have a shot. They're lingering, but uh, yeah. The Rams and Seahawks both at 7-3 and three right now. Um, the Rams ahead in the division because of the head-to-head matchup against Seattle. Mm-hmm. But that one's going to go either way for them. Both teams are undefeated at home this season so far. That's impressive. Uh, the Cardinals are 6-4. and four. So they're right in the nick of things. They've it's got, unfortunate the Cardinals Kyler are in that Murray, division because they're playing a good year. The, the Cardinals could win the division, though. You never know. I, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is emerging into a great quarterback. The addition of DeAndre Hopkins onto the team was massive. Yep, it's coming in. It's coming in big time. Uh, the biggest thing to take away from this is the fact that the 49ers, who I would not have expected to be under 500 this year, are sitting at four and six. Well, they've had a lot of defensive injuries and Garoppolo being down, so it it tracks. Yeah. Then going in the NFC North, you have Packers leading the division at seven and three. Uh, the Bears are sitting at five and five. Vikings four and six. Lions four and seven. Yeah, that division there. I think the Packers are going to take that. Uh, the Bears are the Bears are okay. They're a five and five team, but they're the problem. Just... The problem I have with the Bears is that they had so much potential going into this season, and they were far and away leading the division for a good chunk of time, and now they've lost the last four straight. Yeah, they're falling apart. Which I hate seeing because I was fully expecting the Bears to be a team that was going to be making the playoffs with no issue this season. Uh, where are they at in the wild card? They are – right now they are one below the, uh, the seventh seed. They're a game behind the Cardinals. And I thought they were going to be taking away the division. Yeah, yeah, and and Trubisky, unfortunately, it looks like that experiment could possibly be over in Chicago. Uh, They might need to be looking at a new quarterback regime in general, though, because Foles isn't even doing well there. No, I I think if the Bears, I mean, unfortunately, 
come draft time, they're not going to be a high draft pick if they keep staying in the hunt unless they trade up. But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I might be looking at seeing who's a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah. That I, that's unfortunate to think about. Yeah. Um, NFC South, the Saints being one of the other three teams right now that are going to be running away in the NFL this year, mm-hmm. eight and two. Having a good year this year. I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, – I'm glad to see New Orleans being successful because they've had some tough breaks the last few years. They've won the last seven straight. And they're red hot right now. And, and, and uh, uh, what is it, uh, Taysom Hill, I mean – He's uh, he came in and he played a hell of a game on Sunday. Good God, yeah, he did. Uh, Tampa Bay is seven and four right now. I don't see the Buccaneers making the playoffs. You think I they're think, gonna? I think they're gonna choke. Yeah, and I'm hearing that there's some problems with Arians and Brady right now, and they're button heads. And I I think that the thing is though, I can see the. She, I can see the Buccaneers are um, – I don't know. I Like I said, I can see the Buccaneers not making the playoffs this year. I also think we might be seeing Brady's last season. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that now. Did he sign a, a two-year contract? Yeah, he signed a two-year contract, but I think he might retire by the end of this year. Yeah, because if it doesn't work out and they don't make the playoffs, I don't see him sticking there another year. But that with Arians, at least in charge. I think this is going to be the end for Brady. I think he should have retired at the end of last year when, uh, or two years ago when he won the Super Bowl. But they've got, looks like two big matchups come back to back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the Chiefs this week, which is going to mm. be a big game for them. I think they and, go seven and five there. They've got the Vikings after their bye week. Okay, we'll say eight and five. I'm going to say they're going to drop to seven and six there. You think the Vikings are going to upset them? Yeah. Interesting. Then they've well, got the they've got the Falcons, the Lions, and then the Falcons again to end the season. Well, the only team right now, according to the standings, that looks like might threaten Tampa Bay in the wild card would be the Bears. Because I think the Cardinals are going to get in regardless. So that seven seed would be either the Bears or the Buccaneers. I think looking at the the remaining games left for the season for both teams, Mm -hmm. the Bears have the better chance. Mm, man, I'll tell you. I think that I think the Falcons are going to be taking one of the at least one of those two games against the Buccaneers. If that happens, that's essentially going to knock Tampa Bay out of the playoffs. And what's amazing to me is four or five weeks ago, the media was talking about how Tampa Bay is a Super Bowl favorite. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No, Tampa I, Bay is, it has been exposed. When Tampa Bay played New Orleans, they were just dismantled. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing the end of the Brady era coming up here. Yep. Yep, I agree. I think Brady's uh, Brady's days are, are over. But uh, other than that, that takes care of the standings in the NFL. Is there any other news you wanted to share? Um, no, uh, just that, uh, just like I mentioned before, if, if, if we end up, uh, not getting a shortened season due to COVID, um, I, I, I do think that that Browns Titans game should be flexed to a night game because I think both teams are deserving of it. And I don't think you're going to find a better matchup, uh, next week. That's more deserving of it than that game with two playoff contending teams. Yeah, we're going to have to wait and see, but like I said, I just something in my gut is telling me that we're going to be looking at a shortened season. I'm just hoping that if we get a shortened season, we at least get in those these last two games against the uh, the Titans and the Ravens because those are two games that uh, I think are going to be two good games. The other three I can care less about because you got the, the, the Jets and the Giants and then possibly the Steelers with possible backup opportunity. So, yeah. 
So let's just let's just cross our fingers. Maybe we can at least get these last three games in with no problem. Well, let's hope and see from here. Yeah. But all right. Uh, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dog Pound Nation signing out. Hopefully, we're coming back to you again with another win this week. Go Browns. Go Browns.